What's going on, church family? Everybody glad to be in church today? Come on, smile at me so I can see if you're happy or not. A few people in there look happy. A few people look like you've been weaned on a pickle. But anyway. <laughs> well, before I get going, uh, real quick announcement. Somebody's alarm is going off like really bad in the parking lot. Uh, it's a Hyundai license plate 2, B as in boy, J as in joy, L as in lollipop, 98. 2BJL98. If you could go out there and shut that off, that would be awesome. All right. One more quick announcement, too, because I can't wait to get in my um, message this morning. Uh, for some of you, um, you may not realize that we have these different mission partners, strategic mission partners, where we do some incredible ministry. But one of those is what's called Relate. Everybody say Relate. Uh, that should be a slide coming up there in a second. But Relate is a, a ministry to pastors, particularly pastors and leaders. And we've been serving uh, pastors and leaders in our region for, I think, about eight or nine years now. We host a conference uh, coming up here at Connect in October. And um, I'll just preface this. There's going to be a text that goes out to the whole church, so please open that, listen to that video. But a great, great opportunity for you to serve at a very high capacity. If you want to do something that got a really high return in the kingdom of God, one of the best ways to do that would be to serve pastors. So we serve other churches in the area. It's a big part of the, the, the vision of Connect, the call of God actually on my life. And so I would just encourage you to uh, consider serving on that particular day. Amen? Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> well, we've been in a series. We've been in a series entitled Full Throttle. And uh, this series is dedicated to you, basically, to the church. And um, we basically said that, you know, if you don't... Hey, Pastor. Good morning, good morning. If you don't uh, slow down... Uh, you could break down, and and sometimes you got to downshift. Sometimes you got to throttle down. Uh, sometimes you got to park the car. Turn to somebody and say, "Park the car." Uh, if you don't stop, sometimes you'll be stopped. I was in a hospital in 2012, and the scripture in the Bible from Psalms it says, "I will make you lie down in green pastures." Was a whole new meaning to me on that day. I was lying in a, in, a, in a bed, and I was realizing, you know what? If I don't slow down, I might break down. And I was having a little physical breakdown there, and there's some things that were kind of out of order. How many know sometimes no pain, no gain, right? K-N-O-W. Sometimes if we can embrace some of those things, we can learn a lot from them. And so this series is dedicated to rest, and this is the final installment this morning. Everybody say, I'm so sad. You guys were not sincere about that at all. And so, anyway, I want to welcome all our online viewers. Uh, my name is Pastor Derek, pastor at Connect Church, lead servant. I'm so glad you're, you're with us. Some people listening from all over the place. We're so happy that you're with us. And those of you that may be watching on YouTube a little bit later, thank you for uh, checking this out. Go back to the first two messages because they kind of build on each other. Amen? Well, um, I want to get into it, but uh, let me just review quickly. Yeah, kind of in the first couple of weeks, thank you, brother. In the first couple of weeks, um, we talked about just the necessity of letting Jesus take the wheel of our life. You know, of course, we need to understand that the first step in your spiritual relationship with God is surrender. You know, we need Jesus to take the wheel of our life. Can I have an amen? amen. But a step that we forget, a step that we miss sometimes, we've been using kind of car analogies and illustrations, and I'm throwing out mechanical words that I know nothing about. And... <laughs> 
but we, we learned that, that sometimes we, we give Jesus our life, but then we kick him out of the car. The truth is we need to just keep him in the car with us and, and go into a little bit of driver's ed. We need to be discipled. And, and, and Jesus has these gifts for us that he wants to disciple us in, but one of the gifts that he wants to disciple us in is the gift of rest. And, and in 2018-ish, I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and he was, and this is this sometimes how he, God talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you, but he slaps me upside the head once in a while. He said, he said, you can teach on rest, but you don't know anything about it. I was teaching on the Sabbath. I could tell you the Old Testament, you know, on it. I could, I could talk about different things that you, you should do, you should do. And, 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 and the Holy Spirit wanted to school me in more ways than one, on the subject of rest. And so Matthew says it like this. I'm reading from the message. It says, Matthew 11:28. 28. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Then he says, come to me. Come to me. He personalizes it. He customizes it. I, I want you to get away with me, not get away to Punta Cana, not get away to the Bahamas, not get away on a cruise, princess, whatever, whoever you use. Um, I'm thinking of other cruise lines, so I got distracted. But anyway... <laughs> He says, it's not that. Everybody say, it's not that. He says, you come to me and you will recover your life. A lot of us are not experiencing life to the full, the abundant life, because we think it's in a nap. We think it's in a a trip. We think it's, you know, in taking the weekend off, staying home from church. It's not. It's found in Jesus. Your rest is found in Jesus. Can I have an amen? amen? And so he goes, I want you to learn these unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. It's like a, it's like a breathing thing. I want you to learn, you know, a life of rest and a life. It's not a life of balance. It's a life of rhythm. There isn't balance. It's a myth. Okay. It's rhythm. You just got to learn sometimes like I work hard. Now I need to rest well. And there's a, there's a balance in him. We live and move and have our being. And Jesus modeled this for us. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. We're going to talk about um, just the, the necessity of, of sometimes just stopping, even taking a nap. Yep. Um, one of the things that I, I like to do is I like to observe human behavior, but I was observing animal behavior when it came to the subject of rest. And how many know that man's best friend is the dog? The dog. And so look at how dogs rest. Check this out. This is how dogs really know how to take a nap. Can you show them that? Should come up. <laughs> they really know how to do it, don't they? I mean... There's just no shame in his game, right? Absolutely none whatsoever. He's totally limber. He's just letting it, just letting it roll. And, and then I was observing other animals. And then this next animal, some of you guys all have one of these. Um, they're a little bit more bougie, a little bit more high maintenance, a little harder from the rest. But check out this next animal. I think you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> they need a little bit more in order to be able to rest <laughs> than, than the dog. But... Some of you, it takes a while to get to that place of rest. Like you take a nap, you shut down, and then finally, like my wife can take the 10-minute nap. All the 10-minute nap people, raise your hand. You can literally just, I'm just going to take a 10-minute nap. Anybody? Wow, less people in this room. Yeah, that's why you're the late service, because you don't know how to do that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Too soon? Too soon. But my wife, my wife can take the 10-minute nap. So I'm going to go take a 10-minute nap. I'm like, 10-minute nap? She's out. One minute, gone. Just gone. Gets up 10 minutes later. I'm like, I did, 
did you just, did you even lay down? You know, I'm like the one hour, one and a half hour, come on somebody, can you feel it, right? But, but out of that hour and a half, I might have got like 30 minutes of like real nap because this thing's going, it's just going 100 miles an hour. It takes forever to kind of shut it down. But when I finally fall asleep, I am like in the crypt. You know what I mean? So then I wake up, I look like this guy. <laughs> but some of you, no matter what you do, you can, we're going to have a little fun. Sorry, we'll get spiritual in a second. But some of you, no matter what you do, you can't go to sleep. You just can't get comfortable. Like, I'm that guy on the plane, right? I'm, I've become a little bit more bougie. I got to have the comfort seat or I got to have, like, uh, you know, kind of business class. Because I just, I can't, I, I pray for a small person to sit next to me, like that kind of person. Because I, I want to be able to sleep and I can't sleep because I, I can't get comfortable. And so I've decided to buy one of these. I thought you guys might like this. This is the thing that's really beginning to help me. Can you see me? <laughs> Can you see me? <laughs> Some of you need that. Some of you need that, Okay. All right, all right, all right. Are you ready? So Jesus in the Bible actually takes a nap. And I think some of, for some of you, it would be the most spiritual thing you could do. But we're going to talk about more significance behind Jesus taking a nap. And hopefully you'll see that by the end of the message. And we're highlighting two portions of scripture, Luke chapter 8 and Luke chapter 10. And you can look up those on your own in your own devotional life because there's a lot more in there than I can unpack this morning. But Jesus, how many know Jesus gives you gifts? But one of the gifts he gives you is the gift of rest. In order to, uh, first of all, there's, a gift doesn't have value unless it's opened. Yep. Right. An unopened gift is a valueless gift. So Jesus has gifts for you, but have you opened it? The second thing is you have to, pot, to receive a gift. You have to have the right posture to receive the gifts that Jesus has for you. Amen. So this is like a little teaching moment for church. When you come to church, 11 o'clock service, you've got to get ready to receive what Jesus has for you at church. Amen. Amen. And so sometimes you got to do something physically like... You might, you might need to not sit next to her because she's a distraction. You might need to... You might, need, <laughs> you might need to just make, slap yourself a couple times and make sure you stay awake. Uh, get, a, get a nap before you came to church, not during church. Come on, somebody. Because you want to posture yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically to receive. Because Jesus has something for you every single Sunday if you're ready to receive that gift. Amen? I just want you to know I'm good at receiving gifts. And if you want to test me, go ahead. Okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So rest will not be found in a 360 pillow. Rest is going to be found in Jesus. Amen. And the reason that's important, or here's an incentive. We learned this a couple weeks ago in Luke chapter 5. Jesus would, the Bible says, often withdrew to solitary places when demands came upon him and were exacting virtue from him, wisdom from him. They were trying to, you know, pull something out of him. All the, the human, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, continuous nagging upon him. The Bible says Jesus would just stop, drop, and roll. He would get out. He would go away, and he would, he would replenish himself in his relationship with God first. Are you with me? Yes, sir. And so sometimes some of you, uh, including myself, sometimes we need to learn from Jesus who, when things got crazy, he would introduce a little lazy. When, when you need to introduce a little lazy into your crazy. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. A little, la- a little bit of just shut her down. Can I make a suggestion? Can I pass you here and there? 
maybe the first 30 minutes of your day, no technology. This is something I'm doing right now. It's revolutionary. Amen. Just get up Amen. and just no tech for 30 minutes. Amen. Some of you are like, I can't do that. Ah, it's my lifeline. I would die. No, you'll be fine. Okay? Like, use your old school Bible. Pull it out. Read that. Get, get yourself on your back porch and just look at the, yes. look at the sky and yes. the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and just taking creation. Take a walk, stretch, yes. breathe. 30 minutes, everybody. No tech. Watch how it resets and recalibrates your day. Inject a little lazy into your crazy. Are you with me, everybody? All right, so here's a principle as we get going. And we've been, we've been emphasizing principles over practices, but we'll have some practices there. But if you don't, a principle gives you a way to think. Thought, word, deed. You will not change your actions till you change your thinking. Right, right. You think it, you say it, you do it. Right. It's a cycle. Sin works the same way. The enemy attacks your thought life. He gets you to say it with your mouth, and then he gets you to do it. So if the devil's using it, using it you ought to be using it for the right reasons. Amen? So that's why I have principles, because they teach. It's a new way to think. And principles are just promises, uh, extrap extrapolated promises from God's word. So here's the big idea. If we allow God to be present in our rest, then God will be present in our work. That's your big idea. Amen? And so... When things get a little nutty, one of the best ways you can show your transfer of trust, which we say we have with eternity, but we sometimes don't have it with temporary. Right. We, we, we trust God with our eternity, that he'll take care of all time, but we have a hard time giving him a little bit of a time in our temporary right. with our work. We hit pause. Yeah. Hit pause in the first part of your day. Maybe take a break on lunch. <laughs> You know, sometimes I'll take a lunch break. I read this book by John Eldridge, and he had this principle, and he, he basically said, I, I, stuff builds up. In just a few hours, you got stuff, you got issues, you got problems, you got people issues, you're frustrated, you're angry, you got stuff coming in, emails piling up, phone calls, and then at lunch you just go, I give everything and everyone over to Jesus. Amen. I give everything and everyone over to Jesus. Come on, let's do that with me right now. I give everything and everyone over to Jesus. That's a simple principle that you could practice in the middle of your day, maybe several times a day. You might need to do it several times a day because those people and those problems are piling up. Are you with me, everybody? But invite him into your rest. Some of you do it with eternity. Some of you do it with your treasure. You invite God into your life with your giving. You know that if you don't, you won't reap if you don't. So, so you sow, you sow strategically into the house of God. You tithe, and you know that God's going to bless you. For God to bless you and to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't contain and to rebuke the devourer for your sake that you're going to need to practice tithes and offerings. So you invite God by sowing. The same way you do that with your problems in your schedule, in your, in your crazy nuts calendar, is you, you give God some of your time. You sow some of your time strategically. Amen. So here's what's going to happen. When you begin to do that, there's going to be a grace, a certain power that comes on you, a divine enablement to be able to live at a higher order of being. You'll be able to do things you wouldn't normally be able to do because you're coming from a full battery. Jesus, after he kind of came out of a season of prayer and fasting, the Bible says he came in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit more than, more, he was more preoccupied with that than being full in his stomach. Right? 
What if, what if the church, what if Christians behaved like that, amen? amen? So here's what will happen. When you employ this method that you believe, this counterintuitive thought, that including God in my, in my rest, he'll be included in my work, what will happen is a battle will ensue, okay? And this is why I want to start with a little bit of reality out of the gate. Number, number one, three things you have to know about rest. Number one, your rest will be opposed. It will be opposed, you will have resistance to rest. If it is, in fact, beneficial, divinely beneficial for you, you can be sure that the enemy is going to come up against it because he knows something. The enemy knows his greatest fear, in a sense, is that, that God would be present in your life, active in your life. People that are, that are, that are rested are powerful. Uh, I've taught this before, but rest is a weapon. And and the greatest soldiers in the world, in the military, understand that the only way I'm going to beat sometimes my opponent is to be the most rested one. And so he knows, Satan knows if he can pull you away from communion with God, communion with the saints, separation from anything that is going to replenish you, then he knows you are an easy target. You are easy prey. That he can pick you off. Now, however, conversely, if you are rested, you are dangerous to him. You are a threat to the kingdom of Satan. Now, in Luke chapter 8, I'm going to highlight this text for you. Are you guys getting something out of this so far? That's just my warm-up. I'm warming up, okay? But there's something in Luke chapter 8 that maybe some of you have never seen before. It may not be a big deal to you. It was insightful for me, powerful for me, and I want to share it with you today. Luke 8:22 says, One day Jesus said to his peeps, paraphrase, let us go over to the other side. Let's, let's, let's get on this boat. Let's set out. And the Bible says that as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. He took a nap. Jesus, the Son of God, everybody, took a nap. When's the last time he took a nap? Okay, it's important. It's okay. To, some, sometimes it's, it's significant for you to see that there's the need and necessity of physical replenishment. After each service over this entire series, I've been asking people over and over again, tell me about your routines. Tell me about your, do you take a nap? When, when do you get, tell me about your rest. Tell me about your next vacation. I've been amazed how few people have any plans for that. Amazed. So I know this is relevant. Can I have an amen or an oh me in this house? Okay, so he falls asleep. He takes a nap. He takes his own advice, as it were. And one translation says suddenly, but in this one it just basically says a squall comes right as he goes to take a nap. A storm. A squall is kind of a small storm. It's interesting. Sometimes the big storms we pay more attention to. It's the little storms that we ignore. And yet it can be death by a thousand cuts because we're not paying attention to it. We're not giving it as much significance. But a squall comes down upon the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and they woke him up. Master, we're going to drown. The disciples should have been secure because they were with Jesus, but they thought they were going to drown. In other words, they're testifying by their very own words, I know you came to save us, but here we're going to be sunk. We're going to be sunk. Jesus didn't come to sink us. He came to save us, everybody, right? And so he's certainly not going to let him drown there in the lake if he came from heaven to earth to save the, the world. But they were, they were distracted by what was happening around them, and they thought for sure they're going to die. And the Bible says he got up from his nap. I think there was a little wet on the pillow. You know you're getting a good nap when you got a little bit of that drool coming out of your mouth, you know what I mean? 
I mean, I mean he, it's, I'm just reading in this story a little bit. He's sleeping on the water. It was calm as can be when he first started. You know, the, when the water hits the little boat, you know, it's kind of got that little, that little noise, you know, and probably a little wind. That's a good nap. You know what I'm saying? When you're down by the water, right? Come on, Jesus. I can feel it. So he's got this great little nap going, drool coming out. And then I was like, Jesus, 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 you know, there's a storm. Oh, my gosh, we're going to drown. And he gets up. You know what I mean? And, and he's probably frustrated. And so he rebukes the storm, the wind, the raging waters, and everything subsides. Totally, Everything's totally calm. But the thing about the story that's unique is that every time, everybody say every time. Every time you, you, you go after that rhythm of rest. Every time you're about to embrace the, 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 the in and out, the breathing, the in and out, those, those powerful moments of restoration with God, those giving everything over to Jesus, everyone and everything over to Jesus, you need to understand every time you will face opposition, every time your rest will be opposed because it's so good for you. And I'm highlighting that. I'm putting punctuation upon it because you need to know that's exactly why I need to fight for it. Because every time I go for it, I will find there will be opposition. That's not a sign for you to just give up and just caffeinate and, and continue to just run on the treadmill. No, it's something that you've got to fight for and settle in your hearts that it, it, you got to, you, yes, work hard, but you have to find rest. I'm telling you this as your pastor. You need this really bad, many of you. Some people are going to face, I feel almost a necessity to pause. You could be facing some major physical trials because you will not rest. Some of you could be facing some major marital and relational trials because you won't stop and let things come up that need to come up. Because you're pushing down, in a sense, by running and gunning. You're not facing your own depravity. You're not facing the own darkness of your soul. You're not facing the troubles there. And they only mount and escalate because you won't stop. You won't stop. You've got to stop. Come on, somebody. You give the Lord a big praise for that. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to pastor you right now, okay? So Jesus gets up. He's frustrated, drools right here. And he says, where's your faith? They're like, what? And, and they're, they're, they're shocked. They're in fear. They're, they have a holy fear, a fear of God, because he's just calmed the winds and the water. But I never saw this before. I always thought that the enemy was bringing the storm, in a sense, to torment the disciples. But that's not why he brought the storm. He brought the storm to mess with Jesus' rest. That's why he brought a storm. To interfere, to interrupt Jesus' capacity to recover, to be restored. And we blow this off. We don't see the significance of this. And I'm wanting you to see this very, very clearly. Jesus had limits, self-imposed limits. John chapter 1, he was, he was the word become flesh. He was Jesus incarnate, okay? So yes, he was God, but yes, he was, but he was man also. And he chose to live as a man. Therefore, he had limitations, he couldn't just go all the time. He couldn't just run. He couldn't just drive through every situation and just go 100 miles. No, he chose to limit himself as a vessel, a vessel of flesh. And so Jesus takes a nap. And right then at that most, you know, the Satan attempt, he attempts us and attacks us at the most opportune time. Right? When Jesus was 
fighting the enemy against, against the temptations in Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was successful. One after the other, he defeated him with the word. But then the Bible says the devil went away till a more opportune time. You know when the opportune time comes? When you're about to rest. When you're about to rest. You're about to rest. And so I think the enemy brought the storm because of that. In Matthew 14 and John chapter 6, there's two accounts in the Bible that reference uh, the feeding of the 5,000. two examples of the feeding of the 5,000. And what's interesting, we often think that the miracle is how Jesus fed the 5,000. We think that's the big miracle. Let me just tell you something as a pastor. This is just how pastors and leaders look at things. The biggest miracle was Jesus was able to get 5,000 people into groups of 50. That's funny. I don't care what you say. But that's the miracle. Because it is. Have you ever worked with people? You're all difficult sometimes. You know, it's like, say amen, raise your hand. No, I won't. And I won't say amen. And I won't push in. This is my seat, whatever. Right, people, 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 people are difficult. But I think it was the most amazing miracle. In the middle of this, I hope you can handle all that. But in the middle of, nobody's coming back next week, praise the Lord. But in the middle of all that, Jesus withdraws. Amazing miracle. See ya, I'm out. Peace on you, lasagna, I'm gone. He leaves and the, the, the Bible says that they wanted, they wanted to make him, force him to become a king. Because what? He was feeding them. He was leading them. He was doing miracles for them. He could organize them into groups of 50. If he could do that, he certainly could be the king. And they're trying to make that happen. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. You don't understand. I'm not your king. I'm your savior. Right. Not now I'm not your king. Later I will be. But right now... I'm your savior. And so he would leave in the middle of all that. And in this situation, it was just, it was just, he's tired, he's exhausted, he takes a nap, and right then a squall comes. Anytime you face a storm, has anybody faced a storm? A test in your life? I think so. I think you've faced a few squalls. Just keeping this kind of personal, but not too personal. Some people know more behind this. But in 2019, I went on my first professional sabbatical. I've been in ministry 30 years. I should have done it a long time ago. Uh, but but, but the, the leadership of the church supported that. And so I was planning to go away. When you're a senior pastor of a church, to go away. It takes a little bit of planning. So it's like three months of planning to get away for about three months. By the way, it was life-changing. Thank you very much, Connect Church. It changed my life. But probably, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't burnt out, but I was probably pre-burnout. Right, But the day I left, a major crisis happened. As I'm walking out of my office, my final minutes before my sabbatical, a ma- one of the biggest crises in my life took place on that day. Your rest will be opposed. It will be opposed. Just last week, I was telling my kids we're going on a vacation in a couple of weeks, and it's like an act of Congress to try to get all the kids together because they live all over God's green earth now because they're adults, and, 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 and we, we work really hard to get together. And I just left a little message. My, my kids will tell you. I just left them, hey, guys, we're getting ready to go on vacation. Don't just think it's going to just be perfect accidentally. We have to prepare for rest because there'll be resistance to it. There'll be resistance to it. Sometimes when things speed up, you have to intentionally slow it down. Take a hard look at things. Sometimes when I have a lot to say, which I do right now, uh, these communicators know this. You have to like slow down intentionally to try to be able to communicate things because sometimes you don't be effective if you don't. Are you with me? Number two, write this down. Number two, rest must be on purpose. 
Rest must be on purpose. Similar to what I just said, you will not stumble into real rest. You have to plan for it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it talks about the race. It uses an analogy, a race. I wish there was a race car in it, but they didn't have cars back then. But they're talking about you running in a race, in this crazy nuts race that we're in. It says, don't you realize that in, in a race, everyone runs. Everybody's in it, in life. We're all going. We all run, but we're supposed to run like one to get the prize, run to win. All the eight-type personalities do cartwheels on this first. Yeah, just take the hill. Get as many names as possible. Sell as much as possible. You know, do this, do that, achieve. You know, kill it, slay it. Uh, but then it goes on to say, so here's the contrast. All athletes are disciplined in their training. This is the part we just like check out on. You can accomplish a ton, but are you like an athlete training yourself to be successful because athletes know how to recover active recovering is a key word sometimes for athletes we learn how to that you just cannot work out all the time you have to recover you have to replenish in fact the harder sometimes you work out the more rest you need let me say it like this translate it to life because some of you are in the gym and lost me you're like i lost you pastor come back out into real life bigger problems listen need bigger margins. I need more think time than any other time in my entire life because the things that I have to think about are bigger than what I used to have to think about. Okay? Is this helping anybody right now? And so it goes, they do it, the world does it to win a prize that will fade away. It's external. But we, Christians, Christ followers, our life should be a model, a walking billboard to the rest of the world on how life is supposed to look, right, how it, right. it works. Right. I want people to follow me, not because of the clever things I say and the little principles that I can throw right. out there. I want people to follow me because what I say actually works. Amen. It translates. Are you with me? So the Bible says, I run with purpose in every step. Everybody say that. I run. Come on, say it. I run with purpose in every step. Look at the intentionality here. Not as one shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do. Why? Why would you spend time not just working hard, but also learning how to train this to be healthy? Why? And I'm not just talking about your physical body. I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about your spiritual life. If you want to make it your best year, make it your best year spiritually. Many people are physically healthy, uh, but they're not mentally healthy. Right. Some people right. uh, have good emotional health, but they're spiritually bankrupt. Yep. Okay, we're talking about holistic. Is everybody tracking with me when I'm talking about this right now? But if you do not address these things, like an athlete, the Bible says you're, you will be disqualified from your mission. Your mission to be a father to your kids. Your mission to have a successful marriage that outlasts the, the, the tests and the temptations of this world. The mission to complete, Pastor Derek, your assignment as a pastor and finish your days here and not just start well but end well. It's going to be required of you so that you're not disqualified that you take care of yourself. Amen. Are you with me, everybody? So I run with purpose in every step in this rat race of life so that I can maintain faithfulness and fruitfulness at the same time. So I'm going to have to say no. To some things. Here's some things to say no to. I'm going to be over time here because this is getting me fired up. But here's some things to say no to. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes for the five of you that are, praise the Lord, distractions. Distract. You got to say no to distractions. Everybody say distractions. Here's what helps you overcome distractions. Directions. 
To overcome distraction, you need direction. Direction is simply like purpose. Where am I going? How do I get there? What's the path that I'm supposed to be on? The clearer your direction, the more clear the distractions. Let me translate it for some of the, the, the relationships in the world today. I, I, this can apply to married couples, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to singles for a second. Can I pass to you for a second? Yeah. Yes? Okay, so for all the singles, here's what happens. If you're not clear on your direction relationally, you can be easily distracted relationally. I've seen many, many young people, they're on fire for God, passionate. Oh, I love, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. <laughs> I love Jesus. What about you? I mean, people are just excited about Jesus. And then he walks in the room. He is so handsome and he is so cute and he has so many nice toys. And, blah, 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 blah. and you go on and on. And bam, she's gone. She, gone. Where she, she was in church. She was serving. She was active. She was in small groups. She was leading small groups. She's, she's gone. What happened? Distracted by a boy. Distracted by, I've, I've seen it over and over and over again. So it's not enough to be passionate about something. You have to have direction for your life. That's why we're here at Connect, by the way. That's why you're here at Connect. We have next steps to help you start that process. It's just the start. It's not the end point. It's just the, just the entry point to help you figure out why are you here? Are you living your life with purpose, okay? It's so huge that you understand that. And by the way, if you're dating somebody, you want to make sure, like in marriage, I always teach people have vision alignment for your assignment. So if you, one of the most important things is just like, are we, do we have the same vision for the world, same vision for life? Because if your vision is to go to, you know, Zimbabwe and your vision is to live, you know, on the coast of the Bahamas, you're going to have problems, everybody. Okay, and that's an extreme example. But I'm just trying to get you to say, does your life vision align? And you don't, by the way, you, you got to have the same direction, but you don't have to have the same pace. Because that pace can change. Very, very quickly. But are you going in the same direction? Here's the other thing that will help you say no, and that is discernment. Everybody say discernment. So we need direction, and we need... Dis Can somebody check the AC, like what on earth is going on in here? Are we working on that? Is there something? I mean, I don't know. I'm preaching on fire, but anyway... Uh, but it is on fire in here. I'm seeing smoke in the room, and it's like so hot in here. So, uh, this is... Anyway... It's the 11 o'clock service. I can do whatever I want, say whatever I want. Who cares? <laughs> so the things that help you with your, 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 your ability to say no is direction. And the second one is discernment. Everybody say discernment. Now, so discernment is the antidote to distraction. But you have to learn to discern. It doesn't just come naturally. Like the Bible says, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do we rightly divide the word of truth? Well, you're going to have to learn the truth. Over time, you have to study it so you can divide it well. How are you going to have people whose lives, uh, words, I should say, have weight? How are you going to be able to differentiate whether that word is for you or for someone else or it's, it supports what God says? You're going to need to learn to discern. There's a series online on a YouTube channel called God's Ways, W-A-Z-E, like the app Ways. It will help you with that subject of discernment. It's very important. Parents, pastor moment. Can I pass to you again? Parents, you've got, we've got to pay attention to the next generation in this respect. And can I just say, 
engage with them, don't complain about them. I am passionately supportive of the next generation. I think we have more kids than we know what to do with in this church from, you know, kind of 25 on down, young adults, all the way to youth, all the way down to middle school, all the way down to our, our elementary and below. But let me just tell you something. They need you right now. We always say that the next generation kind of is the hope of the world or it's our future. But sometimes we're disconnected from it. And they've never been more distracted ever than they are right now. That generation, the next gen, is totally distracted. We have to come alongside them, help them, guide them, resource them, help them with direction for their life, and help them discern what in God's world is going on right now. They need you in the front seat, okay, with them, helping them and guiding them through this. Parents, some of you are trying to raise champion kids. Good for you. Super moms, that's awesome. But they can't be awesome at everything. My wife and I made decisions years ago. Our kids are not going to speak five languages and go to 16 sports during the year. Because they're not going to be good at all that, right? we got to make sure that we figure out what is the direction for their life. Point them to that, to that, that bent that they have. The best thing you can do is help them figure out what their purpose in life is, which as far as I know, the only place that really does a good job with that is the Church of Jesus Christ. It's not any public school. It's not any private school. It's not any sport program. It's church that helps you do that. Help your kids figure out what their purpose is. Amen? So say no to distraction by giving them direction and discernment. I'm going to move on from that. Some things that really get people just sidetracked is FOMO, fear of missing out. Like, you know, the whole world is like having an awesome life and I don't, you know. And I think people are afraid. FOMO, fear of missing out, is a clinical disorder that people have. FOMO is basically people feeling like or have a fear of I will be irrelevant if I don't know what's happening over there. And while I'm looking to see what's going to happen over there, I'm missing sometimes what God is doing right here. When I was, when I was in uh, a trip one time, my wife and I were in Alaska, and we were on the same trip that, that sabbatical I was on. We were on this cruise line, and we were looking, told, we were told we're going to this glacier. We're going to be able to see these incredible glaciers. Some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. And we were all out on the, on the bow of the ship looking at the glaciers, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were looking at the glaciers through their phones. And the captain of the ship wisely got on the PA system and said, for, he didn't say this, but I'm saying, just paraphrase, for the love of Moses, people, get off your phones. Get off this small screen, and would you please take in the big screen that God has given you right before your very eyes. Don't miss this while you're looking through this. And I believe God, like a captain on a ship, is looking at the church of Jesus Christ and just saying, stop being driven by fear of missing out. Ding, ding, ding. Or listening to that and got to keep up with the Joneses and all that kind of stuff. You could be missing out because you're not resting. You're not hitting pause that God wants to show you some of the best things. And they're right here and they're not over there. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. You know, this this idea of, of... what drives us is just something we talked about last week, and I won't do a lot of that. But I had to learn not to be motivated by, like, guilt and, 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 sh- and fear of rejection. That was something, like, I used to be, this, this church right here used to keep me from rest. Not your fault, my fault. But I thought I have to be, I call it a Jesus complex. I have to be Jesus to everybody. 
I got I to I answer every phone call. I got to be at every meeting. I got to be, you know, do every wedding. I got to do every funeral. I got to do every, every counseling appointment. And you know what? Uh, it, what was motivating me was I wanted to prove to them that Jesus will always be there for you, so I will too. But I couldn't because I'm not Jesus. Right. I can't fulfill all. And Jesus didn't do that either. Jesus didn't pray for everybody, didn't heal everybody, didn't minister to everybody, didn't lead everybody to Jesus, wasn't in front of everybody. In fact, he said, I got to get out of here so the Holy Spirit can come and empower all y'all because I can't do it by myself. Are you with me, everybody? And so, Derek, sometimes you have to say no to people so you can say yes to God. And so do you. Amen? Amen. Number three, final point. Say, I'm so sad. Final point. Hey, the AC, the AC came on. So this whole time the AC was working, you guys were just sweating me out. I, I know what you're trying to do. Number three, rest will be rewarding. Rewarding. Rest will be rewarding. And a young man uh, a few weeks back say, Pastor, how can we slow down when everything's speeding up? He was getting all end time stuff on me. The Bible says, you know, in the last days, you know, we've got to make the most of every opportunity. We've got to redeem the time. And it's, settle down, son. I know eschatological events and sequence. I, he go, what? I can never mind. I feel you not that later. But he, he, he was missing the point that every generation since the beginnings thought that theirs is the final generation. But in all of those things, it's very clear that whatever your mission is, you will not be able to complete it if you don't hit pause and get rest. Amen. It's not possible. So we can't, if there's ever a generation, if we are the final one that should get rest, it should be this one because we won't complete the mission if we don't. Right. Are you there? Right. That's good. Here, here's, here's a principle for you. Our margins create space for our mission. Our margins create space for our mission. Oh, so much I want to say about that. But some of you feel God's called you to do something bold, something audacious, some, you know, in business, BHAG, some huge goal that you're called to accomplish. But the number one reason that Christ followers who feel called by God to do something great for God fail to fulfill it is because they're too busy or they fundamentally have no margins. Because ministry or your mission for God, it happens in the margins. And think about how your margins are being squeezed. Think about how systematically and let's just say sinisterly Satan has been taking and stealing from you and your ability to do things for God by squeezing your margins. The story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, my final story, and I'm about done. The Bible talks about this. It says there was a guy, and he was robbed, and he was, he was beaten, and he was left in a ditch. And modern translation, a pastor comes, sees him on the side of the road, and walks on by. Modern translation, another guy comes. Let's say it's a volunteer, a dream teamer comes, sees him, walks on by. Then the third, average Joe, not a member of the church, not a part of a denomination, comes and does something about it. Look what it says in verse 33. A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Everybody say pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. And he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Would you look after him? He said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Generous. The Bible says this. It says, which one of these three do you think was a neighbor? You know, we know, I think it's Luke chapter 10 and, 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 and another spot in, in, in the book of Matthew where it talks about the great 
commandment. You know, we're supposed to love God. But then it says we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. This, 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 this is all about loving your neighbor, this, this particular thing. How, don't answer this out loud, but how are we doing, how are you doing on loving your neighbor? Because it's in the margins that happens. See, three takeaways from this story are is, is we got to see the need. I suspect if you don't see the need, then things are more serious than you realize. If you can't even see it. You're, there's a callus there that God needs to, you need help from God to heal and penetrate the callus of your heart. But some of us see the need. I, I suspect most people in this room see the need. I suspect, like in the story, we can't just see the need, but we, we need to have compassion. We need to take pity. We need to, uh, I, I suspect many people in this room are moved or stirred by need. Many people are moved and stirred. You know what it's like to be, and I've been guilty of this, driving on the highway, you're in traffic, you're going slower than you want to go. I hate to go slow. Uh, this is an unsanctified area of my life. I'm like a sh- Dark. If we don't move, I feel like I'm suffocating, and I hate it. But then fundamentally, you, you, you find yourself at this place where, oh, it, now this explains it. There was an accident, and then all of a sudden, I'm checked in my heart, and I'm checked in my spirit, and I see the accident. And then I am moved. I'm like, oh, God, I pray in Jesus' name that they're, they're okay. I hope nobody got hurt. I hope nobody got injured. I hope nobody, I hope nobody was killed. Oh, is it okay? But what do we do? We keep on driving. We keep on driving. Can I just say, I think that's the condition of most of the Christian, American Christian church. We see it. We're moved with compassion. But we don't do anything about it. And so how many of you, like, are kind of in traffic and not moving forward? We need to take action. Connect church. We need to take action. We cannot say... Yes to our mission, though, if we don't say no to some things and get our margins back in check. I was uh, thinking back to when my rhythms were right in my life. Can you guys handle this? Are you guys okay? Good. I was thinking back to when my rhythms were where I wanted them to be, and I remember a story the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance. I was driving on Route 9 in Framingham, and I took a left on Temple Street. Some of you know where that is, and the stop and shop's right there, and on the left-hand side. But on the right-hand side, there's an apartment complex that was up there, and a hill that goes up in this apartment complex. And I saw this elderly lady. When I say elderly, I mean she was old. You know how I know she was old? Because she was like a human question mark. You know, she was like bent over, <laughs> and she's got her carriage, and she had crossed over Route 9 with her, with her groceries. And she's about to go up this hill. And so I see her. You know, just moving ever so slowly. And then I, um, I moved. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't even know if she's going to be able to get up that hill. And I keep on driving by. I get to the end of Temple Street. I'm getting ready to take a right. And I stop. I'm like, I got to do something about that. And so I turn around. I go back. I go up past her up the hill, park the car, try not to scare her, come back down. I'm like, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Um, my name is Derek. Can, can I help you with, you know, with your, with your groceries? Can I push your groceries for you? I'm kind of scared you're going to you know, get trampled by all your food. And she's like, oh, oh, that's so nice. What a nice young man. And she's she touching me. She's all touchy. Older lady touching me a lot. Grabs my, oh, such big, strong arms. And I'm like, oh, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. I like this lady. You know what I mean? And I, and I take over, and I start pushing her groceries, you know. And, man, we're going slow. This lady would have been there till dusk. 
if she made it. So anyway, I push her across. I find out her story, and she's widowed, and she's on Social Security, and she's got some issues. And we get to her place. I'm like, I, I don't. I can stop right here. She's no, 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 no. Can you help me bring them? So I bring them in, put them on her table. And I remember just saying, you know, thank you, you know, she said, no, thank you. I said, no, thank you. This has been such a blessing just to meet you and kind of just encouraged her. And I, I think I said a small prayer for her. And then I remember walking out, I felt like a million bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like a million yeah. bucks. And what I wanted to say to you is what I'm, when you walk away, don't walk away thinking, this is about, that message today was so good. It's all about taking a nap and doing nothing. <laughs> that is not what I said. I'm amazed how many people would probably have had that takeaway had I not said that. This is what I want your takeaway to be when you stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I want you, to, I want you to remember this. God wants to give you the gift of rest so you can be a gift to someone else. That's why. That's why. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus. I suspect there are people in this room that need to recover their life. You're not operating at the level and the strength and the capacity that God has created you. And you need to be restored, spirit, mind, and body. With no more extra words, if you know that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I need, I need to find some rest. Good night. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. This is between you, God, heaven sees your hand. You can put it down. Thank you. This is, a, this is pretty much an all play, I just got to say, for those of you who raised your hand. Now, I want you to have a posture to receive a gift of rest right now by the Holy Spirit. So maybe you need to just kind of with open palms, but certainly an open heart. I want you to receive rest right now in Jesus' name. Father, we're going to sing a song in just a minute. We're going to speak life into our hearts, life into our bodies, life into our minds and our spirits. But Lord, I don't want it to just be inspiration and an exclamation point of a great service. I want it to be a deposit that people realize that every time they come to church, that's where they find rest. Staying home from church, I won't find rest. Taking an extra nap, you know, doing this or doing that, something bad for me that gives me temporary, it won't do it. Only Jesus can I find rest. But I am, I am, I am finding rest, so I, that gift of rest, so I can be a gift to someone else. Father, with every person that raised their hand, I pray right now by the Holy Spirit. I don't know, I don't know how you do it, Lord. Deposit rest. The mindset of rest. Like a time capsule, Lord, may it implode at different moments in their day where they get revelation about rest. They get moments in solitude and quiet where there's a reward they, they couldn't possibly have imagined. You reward rest. You reward us when we rest. Lord, I pray that you would... You would give space for people to replenish and to recover so that, Lord, nothing, nothing, nothing has to force them to stop. May we learn the unforced rhythms of grace so we don't have to have the forced rest. 
in Jesus' name. Lord, we heed your warnings. We heed your exhortations in Jesus' name. I thank you, God. We speak Jesus over our circumstances. We speak Jesus over our situations. Come on, church. I want you to begin to just thank Jesus for what he's doing in your life through this word. I want you to begin to receive what Jesus has done right now in this service. Come on, speak the name of Jesus over your rest, over your schedule, over your calendar, over your family, over your body, over your finances, over these habits. Speak Jesus over these things. Come on. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.